Hi friends, thank you for joining us once again for our podcast. It's been a wonderful experience till now for us as friends to bring about this content to you. If we pause and look at the world around us, it is uh, pretty crazy, right? Uh, whether it's in the US about the presidential elect the presidential, you know, challenges and election and all of the riots that happened in the US or in the Christian world we've had uh you know some devastating news uh, about apologist Ravi Zacharias and the allegations that came with it which um, by the way we will have uh, uh some time dedicated to be able to talk through some of that and the implications for us so we're preparing for that uh but in the meanwhile we want to continue the conversation that we've had um personally it's been very um um kind of searching for words here <laughs> is uh, has been very fruitful very humbling uh, to really look at uh, what we believe and why we believe what we believe so last week uh, you know Tarun Clark and I we were talking about really evidence what is what evidence do we have to believe our world view before we get to any kind of evidence or uh, you know our principal evidence would be resurrection i think uh, we'll, we will have a episode on that but before we get to evidence i think many of our people who we engage with and who don't agree with uh, let's say the christian world view are kind of put off by um, the 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 approach that sometimes we take so in this conversation you're going to hear a little bit about that approach and and how we can refine our approach as we listen to people where they are and as we present our point of view um so take a listen as uh, you know my first question which you probably will not hear was um you know what is the value that uh, Tarun and Clark are getting out of this discussion so Tarun starts with a response of what he sees as um, part of the value of these discussions so take a listen I'll meet you guys at the end of the podcast yeah it's going uh, it's it I think I've said I I don't think I've changed the way I feel about how it's been very useful and valuable to think about these ideas more deeply not that I haven't previously thought about them deeply but I don't but before starting or before doing these series of conversations it had been a long time since I had actually thought about these ideas on a consistent basis deeply it was it was more a matter of having spent a lot of time previously thinking about them feeling as if i had feeling as if the direction in which my world view was developing uh felt uh, i felt content with it and then therefore just moving on to new ideas or new things to think about so this is if this has been the value that i've derived from this is again uh, revisiting these ideas which i'd previously thought deeply about okay yeah in the past have have people how how have people actually um kind of reacted to your thought process when you within the church present within the church yeah within even your circle of friends mm-hmm. who i think both churches are less friends yeah it's a good question i So I think it depends on yeah I think it definitely depends on a few different factors one is how closely um well 
yeah, I, I think how closely the the person I'm engaging with these ideas on is um, how closely, not even closely, how, I suppose it's just that idea of openness, how open they are to new ideas and different ideas um, versus maybe being a little less open-minded. And I mean that in the technical sense of just even that personality trait of openness. Um, and I've found that I tend to gravitate towards people. So my inner circle of friends are all fairly open-minded. And so having these kind of conversations and actually my, of my three closest friends that live around here, two of them are very, are very conservative, are fairly conservative evangelicals. Um, and one is uh, he's Christian, but he's, he's very, very liberal. Um, and so of the two of my two friends who are fairly conservative, they, they, I think, found these ideas a little more challenging and were more resistant to me moving down this path. And I definitely noticed that they would put up more of a, uh, put up more of a defense against these ideas or try to convince me otherwise. Um, people who I've noticed from the church, for instance, so my church friends, very difficult to have these conversations. I feel like they uh, either get offended by it or they just wait, try to pass it over and change the subject. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I would say for the, for the most part, it's uh, speaking to more close-minded people within the church is, but that's just true of anyone who's more close-minded, I think. I would, so for comparison's sake, I would say that having chatted with you and Clark over the past couple of months, you guys would be about as open-minded a group of people that I've talked to, or definitely on the 95th to 100th percentile of openness. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of fear around these ideas, which is understandable yeah, yeah. because, so if, I, I, I like to use the example of, well, maybe I shouldn't use a personal example, but um, I, I think I understand, I can empathize with why some of these ideas can be so concerning because if you believe that moving away from faith in Christ has the potential to lead, two things, if it has the potential to lead to eternal damnation, then that's gonna be terrifying to think that someone you love or care about is moving towards that path. So that's, under, that's justifiable and understandable why people would have a fear response or would really want to shut down any idea that challenges the premises of the Christian faith. And the second is that if you, as, as I think both of you are more likely to do, which is to believe that well-being, physical, mental, spiritual well-being is dependent on these ideas, then that too is going to be a cause for concern where you're going to say, hey, I want you to be living um, the best possible life. Uh, so I think, and those are those are two extreme ends too, right? Because one is saying you'll be eternally damned, there'll be eternal torment and suffering, and I've got to protect you from that. And the other is, hey, this you, the choices you're making or the belief systems you're choosing might not lead to the most fulfilling life. Yeah. I mean, I guess the open-minded, closed-minded, you know, uh, applies differently, right? So when we talk about your central core belief system you know i i don't consider that um i don't consider open mind closed mind a uh, 
description of it. It's more of how you relate to other people. So like I, I have a central belief, which, you know, I'm sure that you've gotten a sense of what it is. And, and you know, for the most part, it's pretty, you know, set in stone. And, um, but that, you know, belief system allows me the security to dialogue with others. And so if that's being open-minded, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, as I said, uh, while it's set in stone, you know, it's always good to challenge one's belief systems. That way, that's how you refine that belief system. You know, you, you test it and, and make sure that what you believe is true. And that's how the belief system gets affirmed or rejected. And, you know, that sort of daily uh, processing has to be done for every human individual, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that yeah, examination that, and refinement. Yeah. 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 So even, right. you, you know, while we don't agree, you know, you are, you are also doing that processing. You are saying, okay, this is what I believe. And here are some gentlemen that, you know, are challenging my belief system. Let me see if it's still coherent. And, and with every you know, time that you say, okay, it still makes sense, then it affirms your belief system. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, for those who are resistant, I mean, I can understand those who are close to you, Thurin. You know, being a Christian, those who are close to you and you espousing what you're espousing, you know, the concern is, is, is an eternal concern because I have those same concerns um, for my children that, you know, they, you know, again, with my children, they have, and I tell them all the time, they have complete openness to discover what they want to discover as their world worldview. But the hope is that they land on uh, Jesus as the, you know, Lord and Savior, so that their eternity is secure. So I can understand where your family members or your loved ones have some concern for you. But it is out of concern. You know? Of course, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Clark, let me let me explore this question with with you this this closed-mindedness. Why why would why would who's somebody secure or I'm trying to rephrase my question. So okay, let me let me rephrase it in my head. Uh, hopefully it comes out in the mouth correctly. The the does insecurity drive desperate closed-mindedness? Or does security drive this open-mindedness, allowing for dialogue and allowing for disagreements? Uh, I, I do believe that insecurity is one of the main aspects of uh, closed-mindedness, yes. Because you're afraid, because you know this harkens back to our initial discussion on your, your worldview and that is who you are. I mean, that's your core of who you are and everything emanates from that. And so if that is challenged, you're left with the initial existential question of, you know, who am I? If I am not this, then who am I? And so I, I think, you know, in present US culture, we're having a lot of that. 
the who am I as an individual and people have, you know, taken up the banners of nationalism or, or on the other hand, liberalism. And they're very afraid to get that challenge because that's who they have placed their identity on. And so it's become this almost really ugly animosity between these. It's, 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 it's gonna be interesting what happens to, to the United States. Oh. Yeah, I've also, you know, I've been very close-minded when I was young. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I think over the years, I'd say about the last decade, um, I think there's, there's been a um, yeah, easing on my, on my close-mindedness um, and having the dialogue. So how do you kind of balance, maybe for the two of you, how do you balance this tension? Because you believe what you believe, and then you, if you believe what you, you believe is true, then you are out, right? From a evangelistic standpoint, right? That's the word we use to go and have dialogue and discussion and, and challenge other people's belief. Right? So how do you manage that tension, right? Um, so it's not like, hey, I believe what I believe. I don't really care what you believe, right? That, that's one position you can take. Um, the other position is, I believe everything what I believe is true and you're wrong, you're wrong, right? You got to come on, you got to come on. Right. Um, or like that, that's another position you can take. Um, and secondly, you know, the other position is, hey, I'm secure in what I believe in. I'm not going to rest till I challenge other people and really see if what they believe is, you know, is, uh, is believable even for themselves and challenge those assumptions that they have. I mean, the question is why? Why do you want to? Why? Why do you want to challenge other people? I mean, your first statement was actually very, very, you know, wise in that you know I believe what I believe, and I don't really care about anybody else. That is usually, I mean, that can become a default position of many people. Mm. And so, how do you, you know, transition from I believe what I believe, and I don't really care about anybody else? to I believe what I believe, let's hear out the other side. Yeah, I think it's a good question. We might want, sorry, Tarun, you had something to say, go for it. I, I, you know what, actually, I, I think my perspective has always been the first statement you made, which is, it's, and it's less so that I don't care what other people believe because I think that that, so, because I think that that implies a certain uh, a certain indifference towards other people, which isn't empathetic and isn't helpful. But I do believe that at the end of the day, each person should be concerned for refining their own perspective and should be concerned for their own self-examination. And that's, that's always been my perspective or that, or I think that has been the most helpful perspective for me to say, I cannot control what anyone else thinks. I'm not even interested in controlling what anyone else thinks or how they approach their understanding of this world. I'm sure this will change when I have children too, though. Like, I imagine that's the big time when it's going to change. <laughs> For me, currently, I, I'm very unconcerned with how everyone else processes, unless it is that they're asking me directly. I have no desire to, I have no evangelistic desire within me to convert anyone 
to my way of thinking. Even though I do believe that the worldview I have, I wouldn't adopt it if I didn't think it was the most beneficial worldview. If there was another worldview that I was aware of and I thought, hey, this is actually going to improve my well-being and the well-being of my community, I would adopt that worldview. So clearly, I believe the worldview I currently hold is the most beneficial. But I have no desire to evangelize or to proselytize anyone into this belief. Um, and so all of that is to say that I do adopt a perspective, which is what you described in your first sentence, which is I, I'm only concerned for refining, um, for my own refinement and my own self-examination. Um, and But I also do that with this idea that, uh, have you guys heard of the concept of like epistemic humility, which is always saying, which is the underlying um, assumption is that there's something you do not know. And that the underlying assumption is you approach a conversation or you approach engagement with other ideas as if there's a lot to learn from that. So to me, those would be my two guiding principles in learning and developing my perspective. It's like only interested in what I can learn, don't really want to change anyone else's mind, but also everyone I'm engaging with knows something that is going to develop my own belief system. How are you going to learn if somebody doesn't share it with you? Well, so, so that's my thing is I'm willing to go, I'm willing to engage with someone else and ask them what their perspective is, but I'm not interested in going out and saying, hey, especially when it's unsolicited, I'm not interested in saying, hey, this is what I believe. But that, that has a mentality of more consumerism. So yours, your position is sort of, if you're willing to give, I'm going to take, but I'm not going to give. So no, no, I mean, it's my concern, not that. Yeah, so it's, my it's concern that I'm not is, going to go out of my way if, if you're not, if you're not interested. So let me compare it with this. So one of the, one of the core tenets of evangel evangelicalism is to actually evangelize, right? Which is to go out and to spread the gospel. And often that idea is that, and don't take this the wrong way, gentlemen, but it's, it's, it's this idea that it's, it's that person who's standing at the street corner with the billboard and saying like, and saying like, beware of the fires of hell or the person handing out pamphlets, right? Like that's unsolicited. Uh, and that's a, a way of, of spreading your worldview and perspective on people that might not be interested and so that, I'm not interested in that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like if, some, if, I, like if, if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, like what are some of the things you've learned? I'm more than willing to share that, but I'm not willing to tell someone else, hey, I think that you should be aware of this, this, and this to improve your well-being if it's unsolicited. So let, let's play this hypothetical then. Let's say that your Christian agnosticism is the highest tenant of morality, spirituality that anybody can ever obtain. And you discovered it. Darren, mm -hmm. you are you are the main acolyte of it. What do you do? You just keep it to yourself? Um, I would, but that's also because I am I'm about 10% certain well, no, we're playing, we're, playing we're playing hypotheticals, right? So we're playing hypotheticals. And so you just discovered 
you just discovered peace on earth. Right? Yeah. You just discovered the formula for peace on earth. What do you do with that? No, but it takes a certain amount of... I, I, I don't know what other word to use. And, and I, don't, I don't mean for this to come across as, as offensive in the say least, it, but it takes, it. A, okay. it takes a certain, um, from my worldview, it takes a certain amount of delusion to believe that anyone has all the answers. It takes, it, it, it even takes a slight amount of arrogance underlying it to believe that your perspective is, your perspective has within it all of the answers to achieving, um, to achieving uh, complete well-being for the individual for the, and the community and for society. I think there has to be this level of, uh, I think the healthiest way to approach life is to say, I, I think this is what makes a lot of sense to me, but still there's space to say, it's also quite likely that I'm wrong. No, but the, 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 the discussion and the hypothesis wasn't whether the belief system was true or not. The, the, the question posed to you was if you had the truth or knew but, but the that's truth, not possible, what would though. you do with it? Well, okay, let, let's play another hypothetical. Let's say that you just won a million dollars. Even okay. what do you do with it? What do I do with the money? Yeah. Well, let's make it even, let's say, let's say it's, you know, unfortunately nowadays with inflationary, one million might not be too much. Let's say you, 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 you literally, uh, you know, let's say Jeff Bezos says, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. You have $1 billion. What do you do with Taxed it? Taxed at 50%. No. Um, <laughs> um, I would, I would, uh, in, I would give, a, I would probably give away about, no, I wouldn't actually give any of it away right away. I would invest all of it and then just basically use whatever income was generated from that money to take care of family, friend, community, myself. Why? Why would I invest it? No, why would you that? That's an interesting discussion <laughs> why you chose to invest $1 million. <laughs> but uh, that aside, why, why did you want to give it to your family and friends? Because I think that there's way too much of that money. Um, and I believe that it's, I, I don't need all of that. I believe that it's resources that will improve everyone's well-being. Right. You, you, you're, you, you love them enough to say, hey, listen, you know, I care for you. I'm going to give you something. But so, so where that... But so, you know, the heart of evangelism, and unfortunately, you know, that word has a a negative sting and a negative uh, connotation. And, but at the heart of evangelism is the love of human beings. Now, whether it's interpreted as love or not, that is a, that unfortunately, you know, is, is a discussion we could have about love, but at the heart of evangelism, it should be, I should say, it should be about love of one another now, has it been perverted and whatnot? Absolutely. I, so I think where the analogy breaks down, though, is that with money, for instance, that is a, 
money is something which is tangible and material and leads to very evident benefits um, to our well-being, physical, emotional, spiritual, blah, blah, blah. Whereas for as long as people have been able to communicate, there's been conversations about which philosophies ultimately lead to that same well-being. So the, it's, it's, I, the reason it's a, I kind of get what you're coming from. You're saying, hypothetically, if we could arrive at a perfect philosophy, it would be, of course, we'd want to spread it. Um, but again, I, I, I just don't think that is what Christianity is. Um, and therefore, that's where I think the analogy breaks down. No, I disagree. I mean, the, unfortunately, the word evangelism has been attached to the Christian faith, but evangelism happens on an everyday basis, even in the secular world. They just don't call it evangelism. But let's say, I mean, you hear this all the time. You say, you know, I've been super stressed. You know what has helped me? I go to this yoga class. Oh, great. That's evangelism. That is a, a problem. I believe I have a therapy for it. I'm going to share that with you. That's all that is. And so even though people don't call it evangelism, that's what they're doing. And why are they doing that? I mean, they're trying to help their fellow man because, hey, I think I've discovered something that would help you out. So I'm going to share that with you. Sure. But that, but here too, I think, where, again, where I think the analogy breaks down is that's done in a that's done in a personal context. I'm sure you don't go, I'm sure you don't kind of go out to your street corner or your new neighbor and you say, hey, uh, you should definitely check out this, I don't know, whatever form of well-being. Um, it's, it's done in a, in a personal, private, uh, intimate setting. Um, and so I guess that's what I'm addressing. Like I, I don't feel, a, I, I don't feel a pressure to go and share my own perspective. Um, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't feel like going to youth groups and converting all of the people who I went to Bible studies and Bible camps with to my own perspective. If they're content and satisfied with evangelicalism, good for them. If they ever asked me what I thought I would share, but I wouldn't feel the need to change their mind. I did for a long time, especially when these ideas were new to me and I found them to be very enlightening and exciting. I thought, man, like people are missing out or I, I think there's so much more to be learned here. And then that's when I think I was a little more aggressive with sharing this information and trying to convert people. But now I just realized that everyone's on their own journey and you got to, yeah, I think there's there's an element of, of uh, meaning and fulfillment in just each individual exploring themselves in the world um, by themselves. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if, um, so Clark, would you, were you getting to quote unquote, you know, um, I think we use this old world, old word called charity, <laughs> you know, um, is, you know, these days is charity is like a handout, but if you dig into the word, you will see it's a little more deeper. It's actually equivalent to love that we use today. And love is so over abused as a word that, you know, you can say you love your chocolate, you love your dog and you love your mother, right? Um, and they're, they're different depths and meanings and, and uh, you know, dimensions to that particular word. Um, 
if you were to ask me why I would share what I believe in, and you know, I, I go back to the same word, love, and why would I share if it is unsolicited? I would again go back to the word, you know, that if you found like, you know, the clock's point, you found some treasure, the treasure is so big that I alone cannot, you know, take it and enjoy it. I'd rather, you know, share with people. And even if it's unsolicited, I do that because it's, I feel that this is a great treasure that everybody can share in. And you're right in the fact, Tarun, I agree with you that it's done in a way that is impersonal and condescending. There's no doubt about that. I think the Clark will probably most likely agree with me that there have been ways and means that people have done it that is condescending. Um, but it has to be done in an intimate setup. It has to have some level of underlying relationships. But also, we've seen in the past. I think we have we have enough evidence, uh, you know, both video, audio, and you know, personal experiences that sometimes it's somebody who is randomly doing this that has caught people's attention and has made them think about what is this saying? What is this? You know, what we used to call tract, small pamphlet saying. And that has led them into a journey. So it seems very random uh, in terms of its, uh, you know, implementation of taking this, uh, you know, forward. But some of those seemingly random occurrences or exercises have led people to, um, you know, deeper journeys for them personally. So um, actually, as even as you guys are speaking, it's, it's making me realize what you guys are speaking about is actually yeah when it I, I guess where I'm where I'm tending to generalize and I'm making uh, where I'm not actually responding to what it is that either of you are saying is that I'm assuming that people are trying to convert others through fear and force but what you guys are actually sharing is this is is that's true that's that there is that, I think yeah. I do have to concede that what you guys are saying is it's the idea that you do have something which you believe uh, benefits someone spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And therefore you want to share that. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's the motivation and what you're saying actually does make sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I guess in my head, I'm, I'm mixing up and I shouldn't because there are different motivations where you say, there is a where you try to coerce through fear and uh, force. There's a spectrum, definitely a sure. spectrum among people and uh you know and, and by the way this is not just with christianity right uh, i think we can totally. see it with as clark said whether it's a religious idea whether it's a marketing idea whether you know people are always trying to influence uh for a benefit right uh, for a benefit both for the person who's receiving and buying that idea and the person who's actually selling that idea as well mm -hmm. Uh, so this is, as you said, is not a tangible product uh, that we can say, here is a product, right? Buy this using this cost. And especially people frown if it's free, <laughs> right? You know, something is free. It's like, why the heck are you giving it to me, right? In the first place. Um, but it, it, everybody's trying to sell something uh, all the time, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not. Um, the, question, the question then becomes why? Right. And ideally, in, in, all, in, in, in all of the scenarios, you know, there's underlying love. And the definition of love would be 
would be different for different people when they hear it, but definition of the Christian premise of love is self-sacrifice, which basically means that I have to sacrifice myself as I do anything. If I don't, then it's very self-serving. And that is, you know, duplicitous, you know, a form of the love that Christian premise actually, quote, you know, um, claims to have. So anybody who's doing that is self-serving. I think we need to question saying, why, why, why the heck are you doing? Because it's not, does not comport with what the premise is supposed to be. And life of Jesus is self-sacrificial, right? So it's, it's an interesting paradigm to look at. And you'll, you'll see people who, who are in the spectrum all the way from fear to true love and everything in between. Right? Mm-hmm. Before I came, be, became a Christian, I also had... Uh, severe negative disdain for the words evangelism and conversion. And unfortunately, that's the baggage that has been, you know, attached to Christianity for, you know, a myriad of reasons. Um, so, you know, but at, at the heart, you know, it, it is not, you know, the Christian in the Bible does not convert all the Christian does is share because only God can convert. And the purpose of conversion is not so that, Hey, you're not gang. We have more people. We have more power. Yeah, that's, that's not the reason that we want to have more Christians. Hey, we want to have more Christians versus, you know, the atheists. Cause if we have more people, we will win. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite, like Donald said, it's, it's self-sacrifice. And even if, you know, we have to sacrifice our lives for someone else, you know, we are theoretically supposed to do that. Um, so it is about love and it's about getting a gift, the gift. And, you know, from a personal testimony, it has influenced my life in a tremendously positive manner. And so I am presenting this, you know, positive influence to somebody else. And that's, that's what, that's what it is. You know, it's sort of like, Hey, you know, I, I found the new, uh, I found the new Amazon prime. If you subscribe to this, you can get, you know, free product and free delivery. You know, So, so I think where we would, or maybe we might even defer in this because I guess the overarching idea is how do we, how or should we, do we have a moral obligation to uh, spread our worldview or to, or to, yeah, just to spread our worldview. So it, on the daily, what does that look like for either of you in terms of when you're, more specifically when you're interacting with colleagues or non-Christian friends? My, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, that you don't feel overly pressured to specifically persuade them of the benefits of the Christian faith. My, my, my understanding is that it's more likely that if they were to come to you, say, with a personal problem, or if they were to say, hey, Clark, or hey, Don, I find that you're someone that has uh, a lot of positivity, or you you seem to make really good decisions. What, what is the underlying cause? I'm sure then you would share. But do you, but that, so that's my assumption is that in your day-to-day dealings, you don't necessarily feel pressure 
to share the gospel or your faith or worldview. Uh, I mean, that's the, you want to go first? That, yeah, I mean, that's the struggle of, of a believer in Christ. I mean, you know, it might sound uh, ridiculous to you, Thurin, but if I were, if, well, I won't say that, I won't even put me, but, you know, the figure of Jesus Christ, he was 100% all the time basically spreading the love of God the Father. That's it. I mean, because why? Why is because that is the answer. And, and if we only tasted the, the 100% love and joy of being with God the Father, you know, just being in his proximity, you would get some of that. And so in a utopian society, yes, the believer in Christ is 24-7 sharing that joy and love. Um, now, what, what does that tangibly amount to? Uh, even Jesus, you know, did, he taught, meaning he spoke openly. Uh, he did one-on-ones. Uh, but, uh, you know, a gross majority of what he did was also help people in need. And, uh, you know, so in that kind of, those, those three aspects, I think, you know, is, are aspects in which a believer in Christ can share um, that worldview. Yeah, I so you say, would, oh, sorry. sorry no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Don. No, go ahead, clarify. I was, I was just gonna say, so that you don't, you wouldn't necessarily, I feel like you were gonna answer this just now, Don, but I was just gonna say, you wouldn't necessarily feel um, an overt or explicit pressure to verbally share with someone your perspective. It's more through your actions. Um, yeah, it's more through your actions that you would uh, uh, you would share the message or share the gospel or share your morality or worldview. As I said, it's, know, it's all it's all three. Yeah, you know, because you know there have been circumstances where people have shared their difficulties in life, and I would say, well, you know. I feel terrible about that. You know, I used to struggle with those as well. And they would say, well, what helped you out of it? And I would say, well, you know, someone introduced me to Jesus and, you know, I start to follow his teachings and, and, you know, God miraculously saved me. And that would be a, you know, what we call a personal testimony. Yeah. I, you know, over the, it's changed, Tarun, to be honest with you, over the years. Uh, you know, when I was young, there was this pressure that was put on me. Um, you know, people would ask, have you shared? It's like, oh, my goodness. When I, before I meet the person, I have to share with somebody. You know, and, and I think over a, <laughs> over a period of time, uh, you know, as I've studied the life of Jesus, just like Clark said, uh, for me, it has changed. Um he was so overwhelmed with God's love. He was love himself that it was so free for him to be who he was. So he could be with a leper. He could be with a homeless person. He could be with the Kings. He could be with the Roman guards. He could be with the religious leaders and just be himself. 
he doesn't he didn't have to put on a show he didn't have to you know put himself in pressure to do anything he was just himself and so for me it has been very freeing over these i'd say about 10 15 years um to go back to how he lived and to study him over and over again that i i don't have to put pressure on anybody or nobody has to put pressure i don't have to take the pressure that people put on me but studying his life has given me freedom and so you know there's a verse that jesus says that take my yoke it is lighter so for me there are people always so as i understand it everybody's carrying a yoke uh the question is what kind of yoke and whose yoke it is and so for me uh when jesus says carry my yoke it's it's been lighter so i don't i'm not in pressure to tell anybody <laughs> you know believe or you go to hell or die that's not my that's not my place to say i think uh but i have now an obligation to sorry not just obligation i say yes obligation and freedom to live freely just like he lived if i can live uh you know if i can live like he called me to live it's the harder road but it's the better road right it's almost like nfl player players training so why they have got a training <laughs> the training to win the lombardi trophy right it's hard but it's good it's good hard it's almost like running you you know you you run you have sore it's a good sore right it develops and builds you up it doesn't really hurt you or harm you and if you do it wrongly obviously you'll get hurt or harm so there's a rhythm there's a you know so so i'd say there's no pressure um there is no unsolicited need that i see in just general interactions i'm able to you know uh live that and people have definitely asked me question hey how do you do that why do you do this why won't you do that uh so that gives me opportunities to engage and share and i don't know if it is unsolicited but i think it's solicited and i give more of a full answer than just answer the question um again going back to epistemological epistemology humility what's that uh, epistemic, epistemic humility yeah. epistemic humility is to give the reason why so i i'd adopt that to kind of say this is why i do this or this is why i don't do that or this is why i would recommend we do this uh so so those are two three ways as clark said kind of adopting but i'm always reminded of um the atheist uh Penn Jillette, you know, from Penn and Teller. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he was very honest and he said, you know, he said he, he doesn't respect any Christian that doesn't try to proselytize. Because he said, if you believe in an eternal heaven and hell and a Christian doesn't try, you know, he doesn't respect you because, you know, if there is a hell... you don't want this other human being to be in that position right so you know the open mindedness closed mindedness here is in the discussion i guess one of the challenges a believer in christ has to make is that saying hey listen you might not agree with this position you may even think i'm crazy and you might not believe in a heaven and hell 
and eternal damnation and all that separation from God. But if, if, you know, so for all those agnostic atheists out there, you know, if you don't believe it, I, I respect that. That's, that's what you believe. But, you know, you have to respect that if we believe that, the natural progression, the logical natural progression of our action is to try to try to share this with you. Because if we're not doing this, then we're not being, we're not being, you know, loving or truthful to you as the individual. Yeah, totally. Yeah, if you if you knew that, uh, if you knew that there was a burning building that uh, for some reason other people couldn't see but were walking towards, what would you do to stop them from right. entering in? Totally, yeah. yeah. You don't want to strangle the person right while while warning the person right that's what happens is that it feels like that this that why the heck are you suffocating me by doing that <laughs> so you know there, there's a methodology for it and uh, sometimes the methodology kills the intent right so the the you know it's like you want to say it you want to engage you want to show the love but it feels like you're smothering me Right, you, you are not not even. Sometimes you don't even respect the other person. You don't even listen to the other person. Right, so there's that. There's you know, not meaning to say that I've I've always been like this, but you know, in the past I've been a jerk. You know, kind of not listening. Um, you know, to people and like you know, you don't really get it. Right, this is the way. Right? It doesn't work. Right, as human beings. So that's why I think studying Jesus helped me. Is that Jesus gave. Jesus had a listening ear. Go on, my friend. Tell me what you have to say. I have something to say to you as well, right? And then the dialogue and that tension, right? There's always that tension. And managing that tension and respecting the other person, allowing the other person actually to walk away is, is great, I think. It's love, I think. You know, you're respecting the other person's will, Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, irrespective of the fact that you don't like what they did, or you know, it breaks your heart to kind of do that, but we respect that, right? right. So I think that I, it's come, it's come, it's come a long way for me to kind of be able to get to that. You know, you've known mm-hmm. me right, for fifteen years; you've probably seen me, but it was always there. But you know, I think it's matured over over these years, you know, to kind of see that. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I guess to to I to to bring it back to the first question you asked of uh, at least that you asked me of how um, uh, of how that's changed or, or how people have re- responded to me, I, I I now find that it's it's just a lot on a social personal level. It's just a lot more interesting and a lot more enjoyable to engage with people that would hold on to uh, the perspectives the way that I think both of you do. It's, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't, mm. it's just, I don't want to waste any more effort and energy trying to fight yeah. off uh, to try and defend my perspective, mm. I suppose, which I, which I understood initially was good. Cause I think it helps to refine your own thinking right. when you, when you're forced to lift up the shield, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that's even my desires changed with who and how I want to engage with that. Right. It is, but it's a, 
it's a lesson for especially the christian folk to to uh you know to know to learn how to engage i guess you know uh, we appear to be cocky right and i think that's the last thing i hate to use a word against jesus but that's the last thing you would see him be yeah and uh, but i also on- think it's a personality thing though i think that the a person that feels i think i i would i wouldn't be surprised if there's a correlation between someone who is very forceful with their spiritual beliefs and someone who's got a lot of problems with interpersonal relationships i i don't think that you could be a very sweet kind compassionate person who other people enjoy being around in one area of your life or maybe i'm wrong maybe you've seen this but and then in this in in terms of your worldview and perspective be someone very forceful uh, and very aggressive in in sharing it but that's the point if you do study him study the law study jesus right um these those things have to in some sense be refined hmm. right approach to people you know listening to people better um you know uh, freedom for thought right um if the if those don't change then i think you you can you have a genuine question is what do you believe man who do you believe why do you behave like this because what you believe is not is not seemingly thriving right i think it's a fair question to kind of say if you don't know how to talk to people what do you believe right if what you believe cannot change the way you talk to people and respect people you should that's a genuine question right ask what do you believe so i think there's a there's a burden of proof for the one who is engaging to be consistent with the world view that you're holding on to definitely yeah right what do you think clark right You, yeah, you can't absolutely. be a jerk and say I believe Jesus is a great guy. <laughs> What the heck have you learned, right? Well, I mean that's that's the that's the glorious thing about, um, you know, giving up or trusting everything to Jesus is He transforms you into something that you would never believe that you could be, and in a positive light. And so, like you said, if somebody who's acerbic in their nature and you know and very uh, caustic in their speech to other people have they truly i won't say that i mean have they truly but they're probably on the same journey that we are all on as believers in Christ and they're work, walking their journey same as we all are and they're at that stage in their walk and uh, you know it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a multi-step layer of refinement and you know it's never going to get completed until the last day but i i just i i do want to caution those you know who who espouse that i'm going to find my own way and that's good enough for me i'm going you know cuz you know that kind of belief system can be very dangerous um one as it from an individual standpoint you know you have to challenge whether what you're believing is you're just feeding your own belief systems if you have no outside input to correct or challenge you know you're just basically feeding yourself and you know that's sort of like self cannibalism almost 
Um, and then also from a societal standpoint, it leads to sectarianism, uh, which uh, unfortunately, as I said, the United States is undergoing some of that is like, I'll do me, I'm fine with me, you leave me alone. And, uh, you know, to, in some things that's okay, but, um, you know, where does that leave society? If we can't share, um, you know, share the, the goods and the bads with each other, because if you share something that's bad, it helps somebody to avoid that that's bad, right? If, some, if, you, if you tripped and fell, you know, walking on the sidewalk because of, there's a crack there and you don't tell anybody else or leave a, a red cone there, somebody else is going to trip and fall and crack on that crack. Um, and then, you know, on a global perspective, it, it leads to, it leads to isolationism and, you know, that that's not what, what human beings were created to do. And, and uh, you know, you start to believe false things about other people because there's no dialogue. So I, I like, you know, how we start this discussion on open-mindedness, closed-mindedness, and, you know, hopefully this will foster more open dialogue amongst all types of people with, with no, no hidden agendas or threats or anything, and just, just passing our ideas from one another and, and seeing whether you like those ideas or not. You know, if you do, fantastic. If you don't, toss it to the side. But hopefully, you know, the reason for the sharing is for, you know, global community and global, um, you know, benefit, you know, global richness. And that's, that's what we're all after. Right? I, yeah, I think the uh, ultimately the, the responsible and wise person puts, seeks to, to put their uh, perspective and arguments uh, into the furnace of refinement and seeks to to um, essentially seeks to enter the competition of perspectives to see how their worldview fares. I think that ultimately that is the moral and wise and responsible and altogether very fulfilling um, risk task for each individual. But then that, again, you have a responsibility of somebody with a worldview to do the refining. If you don't refine it, I mean, how is someone going to be refined if somebody with a counter perspective doesn't refine you? Uh, so, so, sorry, can you ask that again? How is someone going to be refined? So if, if, if you're, if you're, if you espouse, okay, I'm not going to you know, share what I, I'm going to discover what works for me and I'll, I'll keep it to myself. Then you're not, you're not participating in the responsibility of refining somebody else. So you're being refined, but you're not refining someone else. No, I, I but I think that it would happen in, uh, within an arena like this, like I what see. we're currently so doing. I see. So your biggest... Uh, you know, hang up is the generic kind of just stand on a corner kind of. Exactly, which is why I, I got, which is why I, I said I, I what you guys were talking about is something I can identify with and seems to be more appropriate and a healthier way of approaching it. Then, thank you, friends. Thank you for listening in. Hopefully, that was 
encouraging to you and maybe even challenging you at some points um i have been greatly convicted uh, by that conversation and as i've listened to it uh, at least a couple times now i have been truly convicted you know i have been condescending if not in words but in my mind so i i issue a challenge to each of you as you engage with other people with a with a good dose of respect for the other individual knowing that the that the person who you're talking to is made in the image of god if you hold on to the christian world view uh being compassionate but still being passionate about what you believe um you know like we mentioned there if you if you get a billion dollars like clark was saying uh why would you not want to share it right uh with your loved ones and so if you truly believe what you believe and if it is overwhelming for you to know that that is the truth you would definitely share with people so i encourage you to share but uh, when you do share the approach is going to be as important as the message itself sometimes people are put off by the approach as i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast um so really look forward to bringing more content we have some exciting content coming in if you want to engage with us you can write in, you know in using our you know going to our website and write you know leaving your comments there you can leave your comments in the social media sites that you engage in or the platform that you use to listen whatever works for you uh, our website for your information is sharethewell.community sharethewell.community Thank you very much. God bless. Have a wonderful weekend.